my name is Matt Beadle. Welcome to Dealing With Distance. This is a pod about normal people going through these very abnormal COVID-19 times. Please stay in touch with us, guys. Uh, the email address is dealingwithdistance at gmail.com or you can get me on Twitter at Matt L. Beadle, all one word. So as you've probably seen over the last few episodes, we've been speaking to some business people. We've spoken to freelancers, creatives, more traditional office workers. What was important to me was that we also spoke to somebody from education, because as we are all aware, the kids are out of school in most countries now. And it looks like a whole cohort of young people are going to have their education disrupted in some way. And so it was with great pleasure that I interviewed the college music teacher, James. Next to the wonderful stories that he's got to tell and the detail that he provides us with to help us understand what the British education system is going through at the moment, one other thing is resoundingly clear to me through this next interview, and that is the passion with which James clearly goes about his day-to-day job. He's a college teacher... And he and his students have been very deeply affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Dealing With Distance, and this is James. So welcome, James. Hello. <laughs> uh, where, where are you at the moment? Where do we find you? So I am in uh, the sunny northwest of England as we record. Um, it's a beautiful day outside. Not that I can enjoy that quite as much as I would like. Right, no, I can imagine. So you're locked down like the the rest of us. I am. I uh, I live in a flat, um, so it's quite difficult at the minute in terms of getting some vitamin D. Um, but otherwise, it's quite a nice view. That's always nice, isn't it? Yeah, the listeners can't uh, can't see this, but I can see you on Zoom, and you're looking pretty pale today. Uh, so... <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's just the nature of my job working in recording <laughs> studios. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Too. Then tell us a little bit about what you do, mate. Uh, so I am a sixth form music lecturer. Um, so I run two different types of course. One of them is kind of a more traditional academic uh, music, uh, which covers historically uh sort of classical music with a lowercase uh, c from about 1750 to about the year 2000 with a whole kind of smorgasbord of different stuff and it's quite analytical and then i also teach a course that is um vocational music so it's geared towards kids that want to get out into the industry be a gigging musician work in recording studios all that kind of stuff so it's a real nice blend of academic uh education and uh sort of practical vocational stuff and does that affect how you teach as well do you have some classic frontal classroom classes that we know you know whiteboard and uh, you know teacher standing in front books open and do you have some uh, sort of more vocational more practically oriented classes in the studio or i don't know sitting with a musician or with, with an instrument in your hands very much so yeah so the 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 student profile, the typical student profile for the two different courses is vastly different. So the kids that I teach the kind of more traditional route, they are um, the kind of kids that are going to be applying to medicine or other kind of high profile, uh, difficult to get into courses, um, have really got to grips with what it means to do well in a school environment. Um, And the kids that are doing the 
vocational music are quite the opposite. Um, a lot of them have uh, multiple and profound difficulties, whether that be in terms of their physical or mental health, um, very uh, chaotic home lives, um, kids that really didn't get school at all and would hate the thought of sitting down in a traditional classroom in front of a whiteboard and learning the kind of ins and outs of music theory. So we do lots of practical stuff with those students. And do you have facilities uh, to suit that? I mean, do you, are, do you have recording studios in the school? Are there, I don't know, soundproof music rooms and stuff like that? Or Yeah, so, I mean, it, that, that's quite a timely question for me at the minute because we're in the process of writing a bid to get up-to-date facilities they're a bit tired but we do have rooms in which they can practice we have uh, spaces where they can record stuff and some slightly outdated equipment that they can use to to do that so it's a bit threadbare at the minute but the, the short answer is yes we have all of that stuff um, and it means that they can kind of get stuck in and learn about music by doing music rather than figuring out how someone else has done it and then making theirs better but in that direction Okay, listen, James. So, so what we've uh, found doing these uh, podcasts is that um, interviewing different people in different countries, we found that different uh, countries' governments have uh, implemented rules and changed things and uh, put different types of lockdown in place and this kind of thing at different times. So for those not in Britain, could you bring us up to speed for what has been decided for the education system in Britain and when? Okay. So as of uh, last week... Um, the government announced that they would be uh, quote unquote closing schools. Um, that's the that's the shorthand. I mean, the 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 real answer is that they haven't closed schools. Um, they've just asked most people not to attend those schools. Um, so at the moment, um, the vast majority of teachers are uh, trying to run the curriculum as best they can online. Um, the government announced that uh, all exams for the summer are cancelled. So anyone who's studying GCSEs or A-levels or also uh, SATs lower down, um, the, the actual exams, the exam elements of those is cancelled. We're still yet to hear what happens in terms of uh, what goes on with those grades, whether they're a mixture of predicted grades or mocks or coursework. Um but it means that for the vast majority of pupils and students across Britain, they are trying their best to continue their education at home um, unless they are the child of key workers, in which case they are still in school. Um, although the government have been careful to say that the, the teachers that are in with them are there to be there as childcare, not uh, to be teaching lessons. Um, and I think that's mainly because y you end up with a, a mixed group of different ages, different ability levels, people that have chosen different subjects. And the skeleton sc staff is so threadbare that it's just a case of kind of keep them busy and allow the the important people to get on with their important jobs to keep the country running. Yeah, right. I mean, again, for the international listeners, you mentioned GCSEs and A-levels. GCSEs are taken at the age of 16 and qualification for tertiary education, right? And then the A-levels are qualification for university. Correct. So so we're going to have a generation of, or a, an entire year, an entire grade of British kids who won't have a qualification. Is that correct? Uh, correct, yeah. They, they well they will, by default, probably all of them will pass. I think it'll be the first year group in history with a 100% pass rate, um, largely. Oh, really? Has that, been, has that been discussed? Well, it, 
the the indication at the moment is there's going to be some sort of a, a, a negotiation between teachers and Ofqual, which is the the government body that oversees uh, the, uh, qualifications across the UK and make sure that exam boards are being rigorous in their testing. Um, but some sort of negotiation where the teachers are allowed to give a predicted grade, they're allowed, they might be required to submit evidence to back that up. Again, it's still not very clear as to what that might be at the time of recording. Um, and therefore their predicted grade would be the main factor taken into account when giving out grades now you know as 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 a profession we're optimistic um as much as we we might be painted as snowflakes by the media because things close when it's snowy um we you know we <laughs> like to hope that we're resilient and our, our our pupils and students are resilient and that they will do the best that we can get them to do and we're still away away from when the exams would have taken place so there's a lot of preparation time that we have to imagine that would have happened um so i i can't imagine any teacher predicting a fail grade for their student so then we're left in a tricky situation where everyone has passed no one has a bad day on the day and 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 lets themselves or, or they're kind of not lets themselves down that's harsh but you know has a bad day and doesn't get what they could have achieved um that doesn't exist for these for these students which is quite amazing really it is an, an amazing paradigm because since you know time immemorial we've had the situation where people have the opportunity in education certainly in in the british education that, that you work in i know quite well uh you work hard uh, ask a lot of questions uh, do as well as you can in the exams and you stand a relatively good chance of getting on in life um and uh, this generation of kids has basically been told well you won't have the chance to make to to prove yourself yeah it'll come along maybe next year or the year after or whatever but this year there will be like a a ghost year of well i got these grades but i didn't really get them yeah. you know you can't, it, it, it might be a not only a, a systematic issue i can imagine it being a pride issue you know there's a, that there's there are a couple of wonderful days in in a in a person's life uh, time uh, they're coming of age moments aren't they that that yeah. day when you go to pick up your your school grades age 16 that day when you go to pick up your college grades eight, eight, aged 18 uh, those children won't have experienced that you know and and the wonderful parties that we had afterwards to celebrate or commiserate you know or drown our sorrows or whatever it may be it's like passing your driving test isn't it there's 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 going to be something missing in in those kids lives totally and and let's not forget that um under under the tory governments of recent years there's been a real emphasis placed on making sure that th there is a final exam that is rigorous and make sure that that testing takes place and so a lot of people have been building these kids towards this moment and now it's it doesn't exist it, it it's kind of you know you they're not they're not being tested and therefore they're not figuring out that actually they can achieve those things there's a whole kind of self-esteem thing that, that um by passing that bar by by finally achieving that thing that you've been told you've got the potential for and having uh, recognition for it and a piece of paper to prove it you know the, there's intrinsic value in all of those things as much as people argue against that that system of testing um you know there's 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 value to it and especially when you've been building towards it to have it taken away is difficult it's difficult to deal with from for the students and also for the teachers um 
you know, I, I, I would like to feel that I've done a good job and it's very hard to measure that um, when the, the means to kind of prove it to people, to management, because, you know, that's quite often what it comes down to, has been removed. That's another very good point. It's not only about the kids, uh, it's about the teachers who, whose lives and professions are built around um, helping others get on in life. And, and as you say, you, this year, certainly, you're not going to have, have the ability to say, I did that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting point. I hadn't thought of it like that. I mean, I, I uh, among the other things that I do, I, I teach at a university <clears throat> um, and uh, universities are having their own problems as well. You work in, in tertiary education, so it is slightly different because the age of the, of the uh, students is different. But at the university where I teach, for example, everyone's at least 18. They're all adults. Um, they all sign contracts to, you know, to commit to certain things as an adult, right, in a contractual agreement with the university who are also adults. And so, for example, the university that I teach at has gone over to online classes. They can do all of their classes online. And uh, they're also going over to doing online uh, examinations. So uh, particularly oral examinations, they're, um, you know, the teacher will sit in in their house, the student will sit in their house and uh, they're quizzed over the internet or over a, an online platform or whatever and then given a grade. They're still working on a solution to the um, written examination issue because that is an issue. Uh, classically, for 200 years, we've done it that a kid sits with a piece of paper in front of them in a room in straight lines and uh, answers the questions and then leaves the paper on the table while they walk out so that obviously they can't use their phone or anything else to cheat. Uh, and there's a guy walking up and down checking that they're not cheating. That's obviously very dif difficult to implement in an online yeah. setting. They're working, my university, on, on a sort of a solution at the moment, and they think that they might have found one, and that is uh, they, they want to send out these cameras, these 360-degree cameras to the students, and they say, right, you have to plunk that camera down on the table, uh, sit the exam, and an adjudicator can, can uh, twist this camera virtually, remotely, and just check that there's nobody else in the room holding up cue cards or whatever. Um, <laughs> I assume um, that that's not possible with your students because a lot of them are not adults, right? You can't just you can't just put a camera in a in a seventeen year old girl's bedroom. It's just absolutely correct. Uh, a, a total no go. So uh, it uh, it feels like some educational establishments are able to find solutions and some aren't, and that's to the detriment of the 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 kids, right? At the end of the day, well, exactly, and that and and that's the real problem for for the institutions is how do you make this fair? Right. So um, the some of the courses that we offer at our college are available as sort of foundation courses at universities. Um, we have students who are, you know, 20, 21 uh, on, on our courses. Um, but because we work with 16 and 17-year-olds and it is theoretically possible that um, that 21-year-old is in the same group as a 16 or 17-year-old. We have to treat the group as as though they are children. Um, all of our language is carefully worded with with all, um, all of the external trips we run or all of our guidelines um, to make it really clear that uh, we have to treat everybody as a child and therefore give them the protections that are due to a child. Um, 
And that means in the specific case of our institution, we're not allowed to have any sort of live streaming conversations. So we can't have video links with students, but we also can't have audio links with students that are a live conversation. So it's not only a problem just for uh, assessment purposes, but it's a problem for teaching. So we have to teach using only the written word. Um, we're allowed to pre-record some instructional uh, videos, but it has to be screen uh, capture so that they're looking at our screen and we're talking them through what's happening on our screen. It can't be a performative element. Um, and it's it's really made me aware of how much I rely on the rapport with my students and the performative element of teaching to get across the not only the facts or the, the skills that I'm trying to impart but also kind of give them the passion that I have and impart that on them it's made it really it's been it's been fascinating because I've had to basically re-examine my entire teaching technique and realize just realize that I'd relied heavily upon the the performative side of things like I mean that it, it sounds it sounds maybe an obvious thing to say as a musician to say that I'm a performer, but that's not necessarily true. And I didn't realize quite how much uh, of my teaching style was about personal interactions and questioning. And that is sort of removed now. So talk us through your uh, your teaching plan at the moment then. How, how do you teach, uh, I don't know, uh, a Beethoven class online? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the... I've tried to focus in on the more coursework based elements basically because partly we don't know whether or not the coursework is going to be submitted for some of our final year students um, and whether that will constitute part of the um, predicted grade. So I'm, I'm really hammering composition at the moment. Uh, it's a creative uh, subject. I'm trying to uh, give them areas to focus on give them exemplar materials suggest maybe thinking about how they uh, consider transitions between sections or beginnings and endings or um, uh, harmonic decorations or um, redeveloping melodic ideas so it's uh, instead of me going and allowing them to dictate the the content and the uh, allowing each student's um, kind of interest and abilities to dictate the difficulty level on which we're operating it's become a little bit more uniform in terms of right I start them off with something and then it's the questions that they ask me that allow me to then push their knowledge further whereas in a in a room with people in I can read who's confused within you know split seconds I can uh, give out my time and advice and support to different people instantly um i can reword a, uh, an explanation to make sure that it's really clear for everybody in the room uh, and now it's all online so i kind of send something out hopefully and um expect there to be questions back and the, the feedback loop is so much slower um and it's kind of making me realize that i need to pre-prepare um multiple different angles to explain the same point to preempt the question that may come is that exactly right. exactly 
So, I mean, I'm quite lucky in my subject because I work with quite small groups. Uh, so you get to know the students really well and you build up a real sense of trust. And that's important because for the whole of the first year that they're composing, they are terrible at it. They, they're constantly making mistakes and that's the only way to learn. So they have to get past the barrier, the social barrier of I'm giving this thing in and I know it's not good. Um and luckily we're at the end of an academic year. I can't imagine what will happen if we're still in this situation in September and I have a new co cohort of students that I haven't been able to audition, uh, haven't seen any of their exemplar work. I don't know what grade they would have actually got on their uh, GCSE, so I've no idea where they are. Um, all of the um, music exam boards have cancelled all of their exams, so they might not even have uh, grade five, for example, which is quite a standard intermediate level qualification in performing music that helps me gauge where they are in terms of their musical understanding. That won't exist. So I'll be teaching people I've never met to do a really complicated, complex um, task uh, without having any rapport or build-up of trust with them. Uh, and I'll be explaining it in a less um efficient and also less effective manner because i can't I, i'm having to interact with them on using the written word it's 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 a fascinating problem um and i'm i'm learning a lot about how i can become a better teacher in the future because i suspect we will end up in a situation where at least part of what we're doing is more um remote learning than because of all of this that's gone on because the technology is now there are you getting any support from the from the uh, from your bosses for this? Are you getting? Have you had any training of how to use this uh, these systems, or have you had any didactic training? You know, I mean, they're, they're, like like you've been explaining, there's a different type of feel. There's a different uh, approach from the teacher. Have you had any support from the government for this? Um, I mean, the 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 short answer is no, but. Um, it's it's no simply because it's happened so quickly. We've gone sure. We've gone from yeah. I wasn't trying to finger point. I wasn't trying yeah. to get anyone in trouble. I was just wondering. You know, the kids deserve to have uh, continuity as best it, it it can be delivered. They yeah. deserve to continue to be able to learn and be educated. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you, with the greatest respect, you went to university and learned the didactics and the classroom management yeah. of how to teach in a classic classroom. I, yeah. I'm guessing there wasn't much in your university uh, education qualification that taught you how to teach synchronously or asynchronously on the internet or, no. or have you already had that kind of education Ab absolutely not no not it's it's right. all a kind of voyage of discovery for everybody um, right uh, i'm lucky in that uh, in my subject there's a lot of software available online um i mean uh not wanting to name drop anything in particular but there go are, for it doesn't matter go for I it i mean the, at the moment we're using BandLab, which is free um it's a kind of music production software that you can use collaboratively so students can be writing music on their phones and then their friend also chips in on their phone um and that's great especially for for some of my students that um uh might not have a computer at home um, which right in yeah our, in yeah our, they're, they're, some people still don't right yeah so so they're using their phone that's all they've got um that's their word processor that's their um communications device that is their recording studio it's everything um so i'm lucky in that my subject has that option um uh i'm also at a disadvantage because i'm teaching a very practical subject that um is very nuanced and um 
is an entire uh, communication method and means of its own. And so when you're trying to describe things to do with it using words, it doesn't quite... uh, There's a a disconnect between the words you can use and how you can describe something musically. Um, It's that classic WhatsApp problem, isn't it? We've all had that, right? You've written something on WhatsApp and it's been misunderstood. And then you realise the second you send a voice message, all of a sudden both parties actually uh, understood what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. That must be tough for you. It must be tough for your students as well. And and like I say, I want to reiterate, I, I, there was no finger pointing or criticism towards the education department at all because, uh, you know, no one knew that was, this was coming. So so why uh, spend a lot of money training people to use systems that they weren't going to train? But um, I just wonder whether you've had a memo to say, uh, we're working on it, you're going to get uh, sent on a course. or No, well, not sent on a course, but you're going to... Uh, <laughs> To take part in a in an online course, how to use these things. The other thing that strikes me is uh, you mentioned some third party tools. There, it doesn't seem to be centralised which tools you're using. So, that, so the school board didn't say, uh, right, this is the tool, and every all of our students and teachers are going to communicate using this. It was more a case of guys reach out to your people uh, and use Zoom or Skype or BandLab or WhatsApp or whatever it is. Well, so we use Microsoft Teams. Uh, we've been using that anyway. So that right. is our messaging service that we use with the students. Uh, you can share work on it. You can set assignments on it. Uh, it links with all of the Office 365 stuff. So there's lots of different software that's associated with that. And for the vast majority of subjects, that's fine. That's all you'd ever need. Um, uh, the The difference with us is it doesn't have anything that you can actually make music on. Um so that's where we have to reach out for the third-party tools. Um, Got it. But um, the the uh, way it works is we have an institution set up for Microsoft Teams, so it's all kind of covered from a safeguarding perspective to make sure that students are safe. No external party can access those conversations. They're all being monitored um, because, you know, student safety is an important thing. Um, it's even more important when the the communication is happening from a teacher's home to a student's home and we have some very vulnerable students so um they've been hot on that and to be fair to the the college that i work at the it department has been working their absolute socks off to get information out to us as best they can um in terms of adapting to the guidance that's being given by the government as we go and making sure that there is some sort of resource for us if we don't know how to use that specific software um the rest of it I've just kind of had to figure out as I go along and use my industry knowledge to um, try and give my students the best uh, analogy of industry standard software that they can have for free at home on their phone. <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Extraordinary. <laughs> um, do you uh, teach synchronously or is this all asynchronous is this all just uh, here's an exercise do it by tuesday send it back to me or are you saying let's meet at tuesday at two o'clock and i'm online and i'm chatting with you and all of the students can see uh, me uh, the the latter um okay so you are meeting together at official scheduled times yeah so so the timetable is continuing as normal so my lessons are at exactly the same time as they would have been um it's just that we're having a conversation on teams instead of being in the same room doing the same thing um so uh, what i usually do is i prepare a, a task for them to do during that session in advance and i put it up online in advance so they have time to read it 
and try to understand what that task actually is so that when we meet at the lesson time, they've got their questions ready for the allocated time. I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky because we're a sixth form college. I get 90 minutes as the, the basic unit for a session. So my A-level sessions are 90 minutes long. My vocational sessions are usually double that or or three times that they're much bigger chunks um because of the nature of the kind of thing that we'd be doing uh, in the recording studio or kind of on a stage setting up live sound or whatever if we only had 90 minutes we'd get you know a, a, a kick drum and a snare drum sorted and that's it and the band wouldn't actually play anything um <laughs> so um so yeah so so we're setting the task up i'm there for them to ask questions um the the thing i found fascinating is i might i feel like i'm working much harder than i would be if i was just in a room with them in real life um because uh teenagers are just constant phone users um and they aren't really observing their lesson times um so uh when i'm in a session with a class it doesn't turn off the notifications for every other group and every other student that i work with um and so i end up just barraged with questions throughout the entire day um spinning a lot of plates having my head in several different lessons and several different tasks that maybe have run over because they're finding it takes a bit longer at home than it would do at college um so it's quite it's quite interesting to kind of uh interact with a generation that have their entire conversations on phones with socially and therefore treat their educational experience and probably their professional life in a very similar way um and trying to deal with that as a person who used to just be able to close the door to a room and focus in on that group and not be disturbed by anybody else uh, I was going to say I'm I'm sitting here smirking because uh, you're right we're, we're of that uh, we're a generation or half a generation certainly older than than the guys that you're teaching yeah um, and you're right we we learned in a different way and they learn and live in a different way you know a lot of their own personal learning is done on YouTube or yeah. uh, from from TikTok videos or whatever it may be and they 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 communicate and learn in a different way anyway so I'm smirking because I'm I'm thinking I'm rec- we're recording these podcasts and interviewing people finding out finding out how they're dealing with distance and i uh, uh, and anyone who works in education and is dealing with distance has the problems the types of problems that you're experiencing that you've explained so eloquently today um and yet it's ironic that it's very possible that the target group that that you are passionately trying to look after and give the best education possible they may actually uh, not be as negatively affected by this as we think because they are so um uh you know software and and hardware um, savvy that, that this might not be the big culture shock that we think it is for them. You know, you said that it's a, it bugs you that you're in the middle of one class and other students are WhatsApping you and asking you questions. Um, that bugs you because, if I may say so, you're a couple of years older and and you didn't grow up with that. You know, with those tools all around you, and yet maybe maybe it's not bugging them as much. You know, maybe it f- kind of feels natural to do everything around my phone and 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 that now includes learning. I'm hypothesizing here, but... but No, yeah, there's lots of evidence for that. I mean, I mean we've only been doing this for a week as we record, um, but some of my students are so much more productive now that they no, don't have really? to... Yeah, 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 definitely. They don't have to make the journey into college. Um, they, as much as we encourage them to be online during lesson time, there's nothing we can do if they're not. So if they wake up an hour late, then they just start the task an hour late and carry on an hour later and can still pester me for help. Um, so actually, it kind of suits their natural body clock, which there's a lot, a lot of studies about how we shouldn't 
be asking teenagers to go into to school or college for nine o'clock because they naturally uh, stay up a little later and sleep a little later. And some of these kids are really kind of flourishing without the um, strict timetable that's imposed by the world of work effectively and uh, without the social distractions of other people and having the tools um, to do their course at their their disposal and the expert advice at their beck and call some of them are flourishing. It's great. It's, it's brilliant. Oh, that's a wonderful point. I've been criticised recently for uh, for being a little bit too negative and highlighting the negative points or asking <laughs> questions so that people always talk about how bad this period is. But that's a lovely positive way to end this interview on that, that you know, your some of your teenagers are being more productive and are enjoying and getting more involved in their education. That's, that's a wonderful thing. That's a really lovely way to finish. Listen, mate, it's been an absolute joy to speak to you. Um, I, I can hear the passion uh, that you clearly have for for your for the children that you educate and 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 for for the profession as a whole and uh, I tip my hat to you and your fellow fellow colleagues who are definitely going through a difficult time but um, respect to you guys for, for for what you're doing for for the for the younger generation um, I'll give you the last word maybe on a personal note how are you dealing with distance um, from a personal perspective you know <clears throat> we know that there is no loo roll I've been told that I'm not allowed to mention <laughs> loo roll anymore either but uh, are you getting by are you uh, are you surviving on Netflix and PlayStation or, or? What's yeah, going do you on? know what? Uh, just uh, just as another final positive note, um, I'm finding that having these um, online study sessions where I can interact with students and kind of uh, be surprised by them and be amused by them and learn things about myself by trying to help them, I'm finding that's a really positive experience. Um, and although uh, we're not in the same room, um, they're kind of giving something back, which I guess is the side of the education profession that gets ignored a lot. The reason why people do it is because you're learning with your students and about your students and because of your students. So that's how I would like to sort of sign off for today. James, thank you very much indeed, mate. No worries. Thanks, Matt. Dealing with Distance is produced by Matt Beadle with additional production from Mark Pavey. The amazing music is written by Richard Beadle. And the gorgeous design logo was from Watney Houston with additional design from Mark Pavey. And special thanks to Zencaster for letting us use their software for free during this period. <laughs> <laughs>